Welcome to Tsunami Takeaways, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your teenage years. Each month, we talk about the biggest challenges facing teenagers today and how we overcome them through the Word of God, based on our experience of leading hundreds of teenagers and young adults each week. For more info on Tsunami Takeaways, visit us on all major social media platforms at Tsunami Students. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Tsunami Takeaways. I'm Tyler, and in the room with me today is Dallas Keating. What's up? Yo, what up, D? And also, Nick, I have three job interviews this week, bro. That is right. I'm here, and I do have three job interviews, two tomorrow morning, uh, one Thursday. I'm pretty pumped. Um, Hopefully, get a a big boy job and and get this thing rolling. That's it, bro. You got three chances. Three chances. If I strike out on all three, yeah. Just not a good. I'd be. What do you call it in baseball? Really bad. Uh, <laughs> struck out. Just I guess, struck out. Uh, or if I if I hit one, but it just flops and you know fly out. Dang. We're believing for the best. Learn a lot about baseball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know much about it, but I know you hit. The oh, ball. hey, in baseball, if you fail seventy percent of the time, you're still good. Which I don't understand. That's isn't that wild? That is that, wild. That is crazy. Like if you bat three hundred, you're you're considered really good. It's truth. It's wild. So Dallas, uh, I want to start with you. It is February. Do you know what this month is? I think it's the love month. You're right. It is love month. So we wanted to start this podcast with a question. Uh, I'm going to ask you and then Brother Tyler. What is your first date experience or first uh, romantic experience of any kind of sort? So mine is a little bit different than I would think the general population, but maybe there's some listeners that can relate. But I would say my first date happened on the Texas campgrounds at a junior camp. And naturally, you know, you meet somebody, you sit by them at church, of course, you know, things progress and you buy her a chicken basket and you kind of walk around the campgrounds like in the middle of June and, you know, just kind of laugh, maybe hold hands a little bit. Trying you know. to not sweat. Yeah. I understand. But, you know, that, that first date experience kind of ended poorly, ended in a week. I ended up, uh, actually getting rejected hardcore in the tabernacle. Tell us more. I need to know more details. So I I don't highly, I don't recommend this. I'm just saying this was my mindset when I was 15. Do not try this at home. Don't try this at home. Or at the campgrounds. Or church. (laughs) But for me, it was a big thing at the time to kiss a girl before I turned 16 years old. Camp was in like June or July and I was turning 16 in August and so, you know, when you're in the guy's dorm and you got all these people peer pressuring you, they're saying, bro, come on, make a move, you know, but they're not in your shoes. You know, they don't, Shoot have, your shot. They don't have a they camp don't girlfriend. They don't know. They don't know. But anyways, I got psyched up. And on the last night of camp, I decided that I was going to make a move. And so my big mistake was the altar service was still lingering <laughs> and people were still you know, receiving their blessing and whatnot. You trying to get your blessing. <laughs> yeah. And we were sitting on the back row. And I leaned over to homegirl and I was like, hey, I got to go because I was like leaving that night and just leaned in, just really went for it. And she pulled back and was like, what are you doing? And I just got up and walked out because it was the most <laughs> at, the, at the time, the most embarrassing moment of my life. I didn't sleep at all. And yeah, didn't really get a, sh- a second chance on that one. So that's like something you'd see in a movie, like where the boy is pumping himself up. 
but then also goes over every possible scenario that could possibly happen. Like, what if I go in and she's just like, what are you doing? Like, bro, she did it. Yeah, it was bad. That is bad. How did you and, and it was like one of those things where everybody knew that I was going to make a move because like the whole guy's room was like gassing me up. And so when I came back to the dorm, they were like, what happened? I, I mean, I had to tell them. So. How did you bounce back? Uh, it it kind of took me a year. It took me a year to bounce back. <laughs> Go sit her for <laughs> a year. No, not with not with the same girl. Okay. Uh, yeah, got a chance before I turned seventeen, so I was sixteen. Okay. And, not bad. Uh, not bad. Not bad. I mean, you know, and it was it was a lot better, and it was memorable. There so. You go. I mean, I had my first kiss at fifteen, so I got you there. Dang, Ooh. you got me. Not everybody can be Rico Suave. <laughs> That's like right. Here, I should have took her out of the tabernacle. I mean, I. Yeah. I think she even said later, she was like, Dallas, like, what were you doing in the tabernacle? Like, I might have given you a chance, but it was just so sudden. And, you know, Middle the altar church. service was still going. That's but. funny. But you live and learn. Yeah. Live and learn. Yeah. When you fail, you just get experience. That's okay. It. Yeah. And Brother Tyler, what is your first Oof. first date with Sister Lauren? Well, we joke. We we don't, we can't remember our first date. We, uh, I was really, I was, you know, really good friends with her brother and we, me and Lauren played in a band together and we played, you know, youth rallies and youth camps together. Uh, and so I would imagine our first date is we went out to eat after church because that's just what, you know, Pentecostal teenagers do. That's what you do. But I do, I know this one time we went to, I believe it was camp meeting. All right. So a bunch of us went out to eat after, after service. We went to Logan's in Alexandria and we weren't dating yet, but you know, we were like talking and hanging out. So she rode with me and we sat by each other, but we weren't official. Nobody knew we were really anything. And this other guy at the table paid for her food, mm. but me and her split a meal. And mm. so he actually paid for my food okay. too. And, and it was so funny, you know, cause I mean, I got, you know, free chicken tenders. That's a blessing. It. it wasn't bad. Like God was helping us out from the beginning, you know? Uh, <laughs> but yeah. And so that I thought, I thought it was pretty funny. You know, this dude's over here trying to be smooth, but he actually just paid for another dude's food. And I was like, Hey, I'll take it. Free that's, chicken's free chicken. That's super ironic. I wonder what he was thinking. Like yeah, he's trying, to, he trying, move, to, trying to be Mr. Steal Your Girl. Maybe. Yeah. Ended up stealing you almost. Like Maybe, he, he paid you for your food. Save like thirteen ninety nine, I believe. You Come know, on, jokes on him. That's it. Come on, somebody. but you did. Come on, Shoot. give us a give us a. All right, I knew this was give us his love this experience, Mister. I got my first kiss at fifteen. So I can't. I'm, I'm in the same situation as you. Also, uh, you know, with with JC. There's just so much, you know, love blinds. I can't remember anything, you know, before JC. So I'm just going to tell you me and JC's first date. Um, Lauren, if you're listening, you'll, you'll probably find this funny. So uh, JC would kill me if she heard me say this. So I'm not going to say it. I'm, I'm going to say it. She's ended up sliding into my DMs when we first uh, we first started talking. No oh, yeah. So, hey, 2021. A, anything can happen. That's right. Question. Was it a cold slide? Like, did she swipe up on a story or just oh, like? Yeah. There's cold slid in the DMs. Okay, so I'll give her this much. She did slide up on a story. Okay. I posted uh, a poll or a question, what's your favorite worship song of the time? Um, and she replied, nothing else by Cody Carnes. And we kept talking uh, after that. So anyway, I talked for a few months. But our first official date was, uh, let me get some context. We met in Oakdale. So shout out, Oakdale. shout out. This is the part that's going to get funny. Uh, I of course live here in Lake Charles and JC lives in ball, which is a small town right outside of Alexandria. But if you know where the campgrounds are at, it's, she lives six minutes from the campgrounds. So it was about an hour drive for me to get to Oakdale, about 50 minutes for her to get to Oakdale. 
And I remember we went to a place that Brother Tyler's always taken us after driving back from camp. Um, so in my mind, this is the only place that Oakdale actually has. Because, um, you know, out in the middle of the sticks in Louisiana, your, your options are limited. Um, or so I thought. So we went to a place called Burger Inn, which is, as you might could tell by the name, not fine dining. Um, so we, that's where we, we met up. I bought a burger, and she bought what she will now confess as the world's nastiest salad, trying to be cute and ladylike, um, which she is, but trying to be. Yeah, first date. Of course, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. You don't get ribs she on threw it away. She threw it away. She spaghetti. said it was gross. Kitty yeah. spaghetti. Um, so we we met there. I did on the way in. I realized I made a mistake because I saw like three or four other Mexican restaurants, which were to all have been better than Burger Inn. So that's where we we had our first date. Um, she has asked me specifically to not tell y'all where we had our first kiss. Um, Whoa! Capital One parking line. Nice. Y'all. So we had a, it was it was a lot of fun. We had we had a good time that day. But that was my first date experience. Uh, wouldn't change a lick about it. There you go. It's, it's who you are. It's, it's who you are. It's part of y'all's story. Absolutely. It's beautiful. I wouldn't change a, a, a single part of it. Uh, she probably would. but The salad part, maybe? The, probably the salad part. Or the whole restaurant part. But yeah. hey, Capital, this, one, this Capital one, one parking lot part? Hey, that's fancy, though. <laughs> that is fancy. It was, it was actually a closed branch. So yeah. uh, it was kind of... Probably should have done somewhere different. But it's all good. Oh, it's all good. My first kiss with my wife was... On a baseball field at the campgrounds in her dad's truck. So, Ooh. I mean, Dang. Which is pretty good. It's unique, though. I like yeah, it. That's you know, it's a good story. It is bold. Yeah. It happens. All right, guys. So, let's go ahead and jump into the meat and potatoes of our, of our podcast today. We're doing a recap of the January series that Brother Tyler preached, Fixer Upper. And there was a three-part series. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Anyone important? No, just my the school. My okay. DJ. Just the school. Nothing important. Um, but in week one, we, we kind of, we, we touched on the idea of what a fixer upper is, but before that, we, we talked for a little bit about new year's resolutions. And, you know, one of the questions we asked in, in our connect groups is, has anyone actually completed a new year's resolution? Cause I know for me, I never have. So I kind of want to open it up. Have you ever set out on a new year's resolution adventure and ever actually completed it? Yeah. I mean, every year I try to at least make one I make a few but I I'm super goal oriented and so I like setting goals and setting you know the parameters around them and trying to be very successful at achieving them but you don't always hit 100 you know you always have some that life gets too busy or you bit off more than you can chew or anything like that like I have one now I'm trying to read 24 books this year just in a year so two a month uh you know starting out pretty strong stay staying with it but you know, you never know what's going to happen. It, you know, you get off one month, you might just throw in a towel. But, you know, consistency is definitely key. You know, you just got to just got to make up your mind like, hey, I'm doing this to better myself, and so let's 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 do it. You know. So you're making some good headway. Oh yeah, for sure, man. Well, I'm starting strong. You know, I'm starting like five at a time, and so okay. I've since I'm two and a half months into it in, in month number two. So what are some books that you've it. read this year so far? All right, let's see. Uh, I have Help I Work with People by Chad Veach, which is really good if you're oh. into leadership. Oh uh, man, it's so just applicable with how to treat people and how to lead people. Oh uh, man, I'm reading, pulling it up my library right now. Uh, We're all freaking out and why we don't need to, which is a great book about anxiety. If you deal with anxiety at all, this is by David Marvin. He's one of my absolute favorite speakers. He is just, this book is amazing. You need to get it. 
Uh, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table by Lou Giglio. Super, super good. I love Lou. He is, he's an, an I'm going to say he's an elder pastor, but if you ever like just heard him or looked at him, you wouldn't think he's old at all. He's really cool. Uh, and then I'm trying to do, you know, I'll always do a bunch of God books or church centered books, but I also try to do some that are just, just, you know, outside of the boxes. I have, I'm listening to one right now called how to train your mind. Okay. Cause we, we talk about the power of the mind a lot. And so I'm trying to train my mind, you know, not to be confused with how to train your dragon, how to train a, your that's mind, a good movie. training your mind Jedi style. That's it. You know, I'm trying to blow stuff up in my mind. So, they haven't got to that chapter yet, but I'm fingers crossed. So the books that you read, are they usually pretty indicative of what you're going to end up preaching or is it just for fun? Uh, both. Both. You know, if I have a, a, a book that I'm just like getting so much stuff out of that it, I just feel like I need to share it, I can definitely turn a series out of it. Because most books that I'm reading are by pastors that they already did a series on them. And so it's just really good, applicable, and then biblical-oriented stuff. And so it's easy to teach in, into a church setting. Uh, but not all of them, you know, and I've also found that it's so hard for me to finish books because I'll get so much out of chapters one through five, but then basically it's like writers have a hard time continuing that one thought. And so they just start kind of repeating stuff. They already, Mm. other people already say too. So to me, the endings of books are always kind of up in the air. If they're even going to be like, even with, uh, how, how to work with people, he got out of basically teaching leadership and he just started speaking about other random stuff. So, you know, it's just, I found that happens in a lot of books, but cool. yeah, I love, love to teach them though. All right, Dallas, what about you? So I'm having trouble remembering like New Year's resolutions of past, you know, when I was in, when I was middle school, high school age, I think I had the obligatory like workout resolution that was always a failure. And then I almost always had some kind of Bible reading resolution that was a failure until about these past two years, I have completed my New Year's resolutions uh, in relation to the Bible. Um, and I say this just like very humbly because before two years ago, I was really, really bad at reading the Bible. Um, but last year, I read the Bible in 30 days. And then this year, I just finished it actually yesterday. So it was in like 35 days. Nice. That's incredible. That is awesome, dude. Uh, so I know you had mentioned that there have been resolutions that you've failed why do you think they okay are you able to diagnose what happened toward you know that contributed to your failure or do you, what do you think happened yeah I mean for me um I really think that the reason that I failed is because I didn't really care about the goal too much um I always especially the workout goals like I don't think I ever had the motivation behind those to complete them but the Bible reading goals I think uh you just get lost throughout the year. And the reason that I think my last two years have been successful is because, um, the first year is I finally wanted to accomplish that goal of like reading the Bible cover to cover. I'd never done that before. And then, um, this year I just repeated that because I hadn't gotten so much out of it last year. So I think like choosing the goal is like very important. Like before you even start, like you need to make sure that you have, you know, motivation behind what you're choosing. Are you choosing it for the right reasons? Um, and then, you know, obviously beyond that, like having breakout steps for, you know, daily, daily wins. I think a lot of times people don't even think about their New Year's resolution until they hear, hey, do you have a New Year's resolution? Like they're kind of put on the spot and then you're just like, oh, yeah, uh, to, to work out. Or you really didn't want to do that, but you also didn't want to be the guy that's like, no, I don't have anything. And so you just pick one that it just popped in your head. You weren't really 
super attached to you you know it wasn't something that you've been thinking about doing for a while so you don't have that drive and so it's easy for that to just kind of fizzle out you know because you just grabbed it out of nowhere essentially you right. know but so dallas i know you said you you created some breakout steps to help ensure that you hit your goal um what were some of those steps that you made sure that on a day-to-day basis or perhaps week to week you're making sure you're hitting these milestones to make sure that you're on track to hit your goal so i think for these past two years, the reading the Bible in 30 days, something that um, really helped me was setting like time goals throughout the day. So like I need to finish like 10 chapters before breakfast and then I need to finish, you know, another 10 chapters before lunch and, you know, before dinner and stuff. And <laughs> me and Nick are making faces at each other like, yeah. goo, that's, that's, a, that's, it's incredible. If you read the Bible in 30 days, well, that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. That's a lot of reading. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, Dallas talking about reading 30 chapters a day, like that's not an exaggeration. I did the, I did the same day. It's called a 30 day shred. And, you know, you can read the Bible in a year, 15 minutes a day, or if you want to do it in six months, 30 minutes, three months, an hour. But if you want to do it in a month, it's about three hours a day. Wow. So it is, it's, it's, it's obtainable, but it is definitely a challenge. So, I mean, it's, it's not an easy feat for sure but for me i think like just looking at it i think it's like a it's a big goal but the reason that i struggle with so many of my other new year's resolutions was like not uh breaking it down like within a day type thing even if either even other reading goals like i think when i read the when i tried to read the bible in the year multiple years in a row it's like if you leave the reading until like 11 o'clock at night, like right before you're about to go to bed, like 15 minutes feels like forever. And especially when you get to, I mean, let's be honest, when you get to like Leviticus and Deuteronomy and stuff like that, it's like putting you out like a light. Yeah. So, you know, everybody has, I'm gonna call it like a sweet spot throughout your day where you are most productive. Right. You have, it's, it's like a three to four hour window. And I think it's really important for you to figure out when that is. Now I know if you're a student, that's going to be very hard because from eight to three, you're in school and you're doing work. Uh, but like for us who are older, we don't have a, a set school schedule like that. Like I do my best work in the morning. And so, you know, I wake up, I go to school and I teach, but then I come to the office and then from, from frill, like 10 to one is my absolute, I'm going to get everything done that I need to get done. And that's when I'm just, you know, I don't, I'm distraction free. I'm kid free. So that helps out a lot too. But that's when, that's like my sweet spot for when I need to get anything done, whether it be reading or studying or just computer work or guest follow or whatever, that's my sweet spot. And so like you're saying, if you're trying to cram your, your, you know, your new year's resolution into the last 15 minutes of your day where you're exhausted and that's not your sweet spot, you're probably going to have a hard time trying to, to stay on top of, of the whole, okay, this is what I got to do today to stay on track. You know, so try to find your sweet spot. When are you most alert? When are you most awake? When do you have the most energy to really focus on, on what you're trying to do? When you find your sweet spot, work in that sweet spot. You know, right. if it's in the morning, if it's in the afternoon, if it's at night. I think many times when we set a goal too, like we, we try to add stuff without taking things away. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can just add and add and add. And eventually, you know, it's not going to, it's going to all crumble. It's not going to work out. Right. So for me, I didn't necessarily say I'm going to stop watching Netflix, stop watching YouTube, stop watching, I mean, stop looking at Instagram. I didn't put restrictions on myself, but I know when I look at my screen time that I have the time in the day to do these types of things. Mm -hmm. And so throughout the day, when I look at my phone, I'm like, oh, Dallas, like you really need to crank out some reading right now or else like you're going to get to 10 o'clock at night and have like 
25 chapters left and it's going to be, it's going to suck. So, and then celebrate the mess out of it too. Like all all throughout it, like, you know, I'm trying to read 24 books. I'm not going to wait till my, I finish my 24th book to finally celebrate and be like, all right, I mean, dude, just starting a book is a celebration or finishing a book is a celebration and just ride those little waves of momentum to get you over. Cause you're going to go through a season where you're, you're way more productive this month than the next month. And so, you know, that celebration can, can really push you over the edge and keep you, keep your momentum going to keep you strong on this pursuit. Cause I mean, some, some goals like mine is a year long, uh, yours was 30 days. And so, I mean, if you got discouraged a day or two, dude, that's a big chunk of it, you know, as far as a 30 day challenge. Uh, and so just celebrate, man, celebrate the mess out of them. You lose a pound, you're trying to lose 20 pounds, but you lost one pound this week. Like, dude, celebrate that, That's big. you know, celebrate it and, and ride that momentum. Momentum is such, such a beneficial part of our life. You, we see it all the time in sports where everything can change when the momentum changes and, you know, the crowd gets behind a team and, and everything starts working better. And so, you know, ride that momentum wave for sure. Absolutely. So, I mean, just being open and honest, uh, I've never completed – a New Year's resolution. I've always fallen short. I'm I'm not goal oriented like you, brother Tyler. Um, it's just something that I've struggled with. Uh, but something that I've over the last year or so, I have been able to take some some bigger and better steps. So I've also got the exact same goal of reading 24 uh, books in the year. I've read two so far, so I'm on track. There you go. Um, got to do two a month. It's all good. Uh, also mixing in some books that I'm enjoying like fiction and also, you know, Christian books is is big time, uh, keeping it fun. Not that Christian books aren't fun, but it can be tough reads at times. So just mixing in some fiction or even some nonfiction history whatnot. So, um, something that's helped me over the last year or so is an illustration that I was shown. uh, And one of the reasons why, you know, I've failed in the past is making two or trying attempting to make too big of changes too quickly. So you say, I'm going to go from reading the Bible no days a week to seven days a week or praying, you know, right before bed only to an hour a day or whatever it might be. And you crash and burn because you try to make too big of changes too quickly. So an illustration that was shown to me that I've implemented is like you're walking up a mountain or whatever it might be or a hill. Uh, Dallas, you've got plenty hill experience my experience in Asheville so you might understand this a little bit better than some of us down here uh, but you're walking up a hill or a mountain if you're trying you know for the first time to climb Mount Everest if you get up say in a mile up in the air and you fall over it, you're gonna you're gonna fall all the way back to the bottom because it's, it's a very steep climb whereas if you're walking up a very up a, a slowly steeping hill such as the stuff that we've got down here in southwest Louisiana if you fall over, you might not fall back at all. Or if you do, it's gonna be very little because it's not such a, a massive steep climb. So whenever you do fall, you can get back up and basically be maybe a step or two from where you were, but it's not detrimental. So whenever you do fall, you might be you know a, a couple steps back, but you can very quickly get back to where you wanted to be. Whereas if you're climbing Mount Everest, if you fall, it's a big fall and you might not ever get back to where. So I've had to learn to slow down and be realistic with my goals not because I don't think I can do them but I know that if I do fall and when I when I do because I will I want to be able to get back to where I was that's such good advice and it really is it's the heart of the series that that we had all throughout February or January fixer upper uh just give me give me two minutes to kind of lay the foundation we we kind of took new year's resolutions we 
you know, we read some studies that only 8% of people achieve their new year's resolution goal, which is just not, not a good statistic at all. So we kind of broke apart why they do, why do they fail? Why did, why is it so common to fail? And so why is the minority actually achieving their goals? And the, one of the biggest reasons just kind of what Nick says, you try to take too big of a change way too fast. And, uh, you know, you fall and you fall down a long ways and you just don't ever try to even pick it up, you know? And so what we did is we started this series called Fixer Upper, and we kind of took the whole home renovation uh, route, like, you know, the whole Chip and Joanna Gaines uh, TV show, really great show. You know, whenever you buy a house that you're going to flip, you don't go in there, you buy the house and tear it down. Right. And you go all the way down to the foundation and you change everything about it. You you pick a lot of little things. You know, you, I'm going to change the color of the wall in here. I'm going to change the floor. I'm going to change, you know, the shutters. You make a bunch of small little changes, but over time, little changes make a big difference. And, but like, like Nick is saying, if you, you know, there's a, there's such a benefit of taking small steps, you know, whether you're, if you're running a marathon, you're taking small steps instead of giant strides. Because like, like Nick said, if you do fall or if you take a few wrong steps, if you're making small steps, you're not going that far out of the way. Whereas if you're trying to take these drastic, huge steps and you take the wrong ones, it can lead you a long way off where, we're actually, where you actually want to be. It's going to take you even more energy and more time and more uh, money or, or whatever to get back on track. And so these small steps, though they don't seem like they're doing a lot, over time, you are. Right. You know, If you're trying to lose 25 pounds and you're losing two pounds a week, like, okay, after a month, dude, that's eight pounds. Where in the, in the moment, you're like every week, you're like, oh, I lost a pound, oh, I lost two pounds. But dude, after a month, you're eight pounds and 16 pounds. And these small steps do begin to add up and they're way more attainable. They are way easier for you to achieve them. And so we started making, uh, we, essentially we ended the series with four quick fixes. Because we are, oh, I always call it, we're the microwave generation. We want to see uh, results. We want to see them right now. You know, there's, but there's, we all, we, are, we know this, there's a big difference between if you put a roast in a microwave and you try to nuke it for 30 minutes or you put that sucker in the crock pot and you give it 12 hours throughout yeah, the day. There's a big difference in the overall outcome, you know, right. but we, we, we are an instant gratification uh, generation where we want to see results right now. And if we don't get them quick enough, we would actually rather uh, a less superior outcome. Right. You know, if you go to a restaurant and they're telling you, oh, the wait's going to be an hour, We'll be like, no, nah, I'd rather go to McDonald's and get it right now than wait an hour. And so we are we are often guilty of settling for less than because we're not mm. willing to wait for what we really want. And, and so these, but, but what we did is we came up with four quick fixes, you know, quick fixes that you can apply today and you'll start seeing the results today. And so can we talk about those four? Because I know, I mean, we're at 26 minutes already. Uh, let's talk about these four quick fixes and how we apply them, how we can apply them. And, and, and so that these are easy steps that you can make today and see the results today. But over time, they're going to lead to even giant, giant leaps of, of, right. of uh, just self-betterment, a better walk with God, being a better friend, a, a better leader, a better teacher, whatever it may be. So Nick, you want to bring us through some of those? Yeah, absolutely. So like Brother Tyler said, we've got four. going to walk through them. Our first one is, is fix your faith. And I want to ask, uh, very similar to our, our very first episode, whenever you're thinking of these, this quick fix, Brother Tyler, what, where did this come from? Why did you select Fix Your Faith? Was there a reason it was number one? Where did it come from? Yeah, faith is, has to be the foundation of everything with God. You know, obviously, we faith is essentially to believe, to, to worship God, you got to first believe that there is God because we don't, we don't get that like the Jesus experience where he's in person and we're walking with him and talking with him. Everything we do, it comes, it's coming from faith. And 
you know, working with young people, a lot of times our faith is circumstantial where if people's lives are going well, then they're in church and they're enjoying, they're doing well, you know, but as soon as something bad happens, their circumstances in life kind of take a bad turn. Well, their faith is the first thing to go. They say, oh, well, if God is real, why am I having to go through all of this? Or why am I dealing with this? It, it, but but faith is, man, it is the absolute foundation in which we build everything. We build our worship off of our faith. We build our prayer life off of our faith. We build our our teachings off of off of our faith. And so if your faith is not in place, you're, you're basically, you're building a house on a shaky foundation. And the first thing that, you know, the first wind that blows or the first wave that crashes, it's, it's going to mess you up. And so if your faith is fixed, you're already on the right step to fix a lot of other areas in your life. Right. Something that comes to mind with that is the parable of the sower. When he talks about how there was some seed that were cast into the ground and they take root, but the sun, you know, beats down on them and scorches right. down on them. And that is representing like, you know, the troubles of this life. And I don't think God ever promises that, you know, the sun isn't going to be down, beat down on us that we're ever going to not be burned. And so, just walking in faith daily and saying that I'm going to count the costs and, and pick up my cross is a huge, huge step for a lot of people. For sure. Right. I think it's uh, kind of piggybacking off of what Brother Tyler said. There's also scripture that says, you know, Jesus talking about he being the foundation and it's like building a house on, on yeah. the rock. Yeah. And when the waves come and the wind comes and when trouble comes and it beats on the foundation or the frame of your house, if your foundation is built on the rock, which is Jesus and the word, you can, you can sustain that those blows. You can take them. It might still hurt, but you'll be fine. Whereas if your foundation was on anything else, literally anything else, whether it be sports, school, relationships, anything, it's like building your house on the sand. It doesn't take much to move sand at all. Any wave that comes, any wind that beats against you, any trials, tribulations that you go through, it, your foundation is going to shake because it is not right on the word. It's not of God. And I, that's something that I've had to, that I, I remind myself all the time that, you know, might be, uh, might be a scary time, might be, you know, some uncertainty, but I truly believe that my, you know, foundation is built on the word of God and on my, my relationship with Jesus and that there will be struggles. I'm in the middle of a struggle trying to find a job, yeah. but I trust God that will, he will take care of it. And I'm not, I'm not shaken yeah. by this. And it's the whole, it's not, will it happen to you? It's when, right. when mm-hmm. is the trial going to come? Do you even, and God told us in this life, you're going to have troubles. It rains on the just and the unjust. But in those times, if, if your faith is built on anything other than the solid rock, the cornerstone, like you, you are going to be shaken. But if your faith is, is built on the never changing, never wavering, steadiness of of God you're going to be able to withstand whatever storm comes through you and in fact you're going to be strengthened from it because a lot of things we go through they're meant to strengthen you and in the moment you don't see that you don't feel that but at at the end when you can look back you see okay I went through this and here's there's there's a purpose for this just like the whole story of Joseph and his journey from you know having a dream to get into the palace he went through a lot of trial but his faith was rooted in you know, I am who God says I'm going to be. And, and even though I can't see it right now, I'm not going to give up faith because he could have quit at any time, but he didn't. And, and because of that, he, you know, he was steadfast and he ended up receiving the promise and the dream did come to pass. Uh, and so your faith simply can't be circumstantial where is it's based off of what you're going through in life, because it doesn't matter how much you pray or how good you are or your perfect church attendance, you're still going to go through trials. Mm-hmm. You're still going to go through storms. And in those, you know, what that's really going to be the, ter- the determining factor. What is your faith based on? 
and you know it says a lot about you it really does yeah absolutely so we need fix fix quick fix fix your faith you know fix it no matter what you're going through even though your life may be changing and you may be changing god is not he is the same yesterday today forevermore his grace is sufficient his strength is made perfect in our weakness and that's what we need to build our faith off of perfect Quick fix number two, fix your views. So whenever I, I saw this or heard of it, I was a little bit confused. When you refer to views, are you thinking like physically what you're viewing, your beliefs, what they define go views? Okay. You know, they do. What you see is going into, it's feeding your mind. And, and you know, like what are you viewing? Because what you're viewing is essentially, that's just like going to what you're eating. It's what you're putting in your body and it's going to mm. affect everything else. And, and so a lot, of, a lot of our views are messed up because of what we're viewing. We're viewing a bunch of negativity. We're viewing a bunch of, uh, you know, our culture is pushing this whole, uh, it's all about me. I, I'm very, you can be independent and you don't need help from anybody and do you. And so you start viewing this and viewing that and, and that begins to change how you view and feel about yourself or how you view mm -hmm. and, and feel about God. And so they go hand in hand. They really do. Perfect. I, I've, there've been times in my life, uh, that, I've had to take inventory of what I'm or doing or viewing or thinking about. You you have the saying that we think about or that we say all the time. You need to sit down and think about what you're actually thinking about. Sure. You need to take inventory of the things that you're putting into your body, whether it be um, music, um, explicit content that you shouldn't be watching, um, anything that you can physically see uh, going out out outside and and whatever it, it might be. All that stuff is going to naturally get on the inside and it's going to affect your internal belief system belief system and it might even start to affect your faith for sure yeah and then i mean what's on the inside is going to come out when put under enough pressure uh not what you want comes out what's in you comes out right. Right. if you ever seen the, the cool experiment when you put like rubber bands around a watermelon and you see how many it takes and then yeah once it gets put under enough pressure what's on the inside has to come out so you got to make sure what you're putting in is going to be good for for like we just said you're going to go through a trial and you're going to be put under pressure and when you're put under pressure you want what's good to come out it doesn't matter how much you want you know it, it's i mean say somebody's hurting you hurt, hurting your feelings talking about you behind your back you want grace to come out and you want mercy to come out and love to come out. But if that's not what you're putting in, dude, good luck letting that come out. Mm. If you're letting selfishness come in and conceitedness come in and, and your pride come in, that's what's going to come out. And it's going to come out, you know, vigorously because right. it's exploding because you're put under so much pressure. And so it's so important. What you're, you, you, I mean, I was taught this whenever I was a young person, you know, 20 years ago, you know, what to listen to, what not to listen to, the movies you're watching, the TV shows you're watching, the books you're reading, the content. And, and now as you know, I'm a father and I've been you know, in student ministry for 10 years, it's still so true even today, if not more so today, mm -hmm. because we are so uh, entranced with our cell phones and media. We're always viewing other people's lives and other people's uh, you know, things that we didn't have access to 10 years ago. But that's it's it's it, you're putting it in your body, you're putting it in your mind, you're putting it in your heart, and then, dude, you're gonna be put to test in some way or form or fashion, and it's gonna come out. So make sure you're putting the right things in. Yeah, I think I, you know, we were Nick and Tyler and I were uh, sitting around a dinner table the other night and just reminiscing on the music that we used to listen to, and it seems something that's so trivial, but. Um, I don't necessarily look back fondly at all the music that I used to listen to back yeah. when I was in middle school and high school. And the reason being is because when I started to change what I was listening to, I noticed a huge, huge change 
in my thought patterns, in the way that I viewed myself and my identity. And if you're looking for a quick fix, I think choosing your music a little bit more wisely and Absolutely. choosing it to, to focus something around, around God and something that's going to be uplifting is, is a huge, huge fix that you can choose. One of my biggest struggles in high school was I, I used to cuss like a sailor and the music I listened to reflected that. And one of the best things I did was stop listening to to all the uh, all all the rap and all the you know what was popular at the time because it was just feeding so much garbage and like yeah. Brother Tyler says, what's in the heart has to come yeah, out. What and comes in was, has to come out. Me and I had to get that out. And the root one of the root causes was what I was listening to because I love music. I would I would put in. I still on my commutes to and from work and throughout the day I listen to an hour hour and a half maybe sometimes two hours of music a day that's a lot a large portion of your time that something a part of you is getting fed it's either going to be something good something bad yeah, consciously or so subconsciously oh, so bad it just and and like Dallas said a moment ago didn't that was not fond memories that came back of what I used to listen to in high school it, it serves as a reminder of the negative lifestyle that I was living in high school and there's not enough you know things I could say about the impact that music has on our, on our hearts, on our minds. For it's sure. incredible. Absolutely. And so we're talking about fixing your views, which, you know, it's, but we also kind of went on the angle of how you view yourself, mm. but also how you view God. Mm-hmm. A lot of times where we, we, everybody battles with the whole identity crisis thing where you, you think of yourself as less than, if you think of yourself as less than or view yourself as less than, you're going to treat yourself as less than and, and stuff. And so we, we started to get just a better view of who God is, his faithfulness, his never changing character, his absolute love for, for all humanity. And whenever you know who God is, it gives you a way better understanding and a clarification of who you are as a child of God. Mm-hmm. And that all just, and once you start seeing yourself as a child of God, you start caring about what you're putting in right. your body, you know? And, and one last thing about, about the music, you know, sometimes you listen to it so much, it doesn't even affect you. Like you don't see it affecting you anymore. It becomes so just normal and routine. And these words are coming in. And when, whenever, remember the first time you heard a cuss word, you were just like, <gasps> yeah. you know, it like shook you. Like you were so shocked. But now it's like we become just so just, almost diluted to it where it's just, that's oh, just a part of life. You know, just a word. And it's just, just a word now. And now you're like, well, why is it even bad? Now you're trying to try to justify, you know, all these things that which used to, it would really convict you, but it's cause you've allowed it in for so long. And like, you can look at the movies we watch, like the TV shows, the content is just, it's progressed so much and it's progressed a lot, but it's progressed relatively slowly, but it's so slow that you don't see that it's actually changing right. and doing a lot of harm. You know, it's like what used to be, borderline illegal is now just oh that's the norm you know it's what we're viewing it's what it is i think you just hit on something that was this is awesome the same illustration that i use you know whenever it comes to making slow and steady positive upward uh changes is the exact same thing for 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 bad things one one song with one cuss word here is you know whatever it's not a a, a huge fall whenever you do fall down um but those tiny steps the opposite way is the exact same effect that it has when you go in the you know going in a a positive route scripture says don't give the devil a foothold not i mean that's just a little bitty opening you know it's not 
you know, don't just completely drop all your guard. He's saying, don't even let it start just small. Cause if you give him an inch, he's going to take it a mile. It mm-hmm. might take a while, but he's, he's working on it to yeah. make it a lot larger than, than you realize it. He is a deceiver and he is trying to steal, kill and destroy. And, and you know, we, we've talked about this music originated in heaven. Mm. Like Satan was the worship leader. He's all about music. So he understands the power and the impact that music has on us. And so he has taken it and removed all the purity of it. And he has completely distorted it. But we still crave it. As people, we crave music, you know? And so he's using that. That's one of his biggest weapons and something that we just, you know, it's so easy for us to overlook or say, I'm just listening for the beats and the music. But no, dude, it's sick. It, yeah. you know, even the, the you know, like, okay, you could take an instrumental, but dude, if you made that from a, a, a bad perspective, like you, you know, you're there's, even though there's no words, your spirit's still into that music yeah. from mm-hmm. the creator or producer. And it's still going to affect you. Yeah, yeah. There's actually a song lyric that, funnily enough comes to mind about that you know giving you can give the devil an inch and he'll take a mile but you can give god an inch and he'll make a mile yeah. yeah it's the same concept and there's a lyric that says uh i like you take an inch and you make a mile with nothing but ashes you start a fire mm. like yeah isn't that so good how so god good. can take something that's so broken and make something that's worthy out of it so Absolutely. good all right quick fix number three fix your thoughts uh scripture in proverbs 23 says for as a man thinks, that is that is how he is. So he is. As a man thinks, he he is that thing. And a lot of times I've noticed we are a, a, a product of the thoughts that we think. And in our Mind Monster series that we, we have almost every year, Brother Tyler talks about how some very vast majority percentage of our thoughts are recurring. And of those, most of them are negative. So as we're constantly thinking about uh, you know ourself in in a negative light, just like you just said a moment ago of identity crisis. You thinking less of, less of yourself. Uh, what you think is an indicator of, of who you actually think you are, and I just think that yeah. it, it it it's it's crazy how strong the, the mind actually is. It's very strong. I mean, everything you've ever done started as a thought. Every good action, every time you've done anything good, you thought about it and you liked it, so you went with it. But also, your biggest regret in life, the one thing you wish you could go back and change, it first started as a thought Mm. that you probably didn't put too much thought into. You didn't play it out, and then you ended up doing something that now you wish, man, that really affected my life in such a negative way, I wish I wouldn't have done it. Understanding it started as a thought. And then whenever you have a thought, you man, you have more power than you think. Number one, you don't have to act upon it. It's just a thought. You can turn it off. But two, you have this thing called, you know, creativity and imagination where you can think a different thought. Right. If you have a negative thought, you have the power and the uh, opportunity to think and replace that thought. To not, if, the, if you have a thought that says, I'm, I'm no good, I, I was an accident, nobody loves me, you can stop that thought right there. Don't act on it. Don't believe it, but then also replace it. I'm actually a child of God. Right. I'm a part yeah. of a, an amazing, thriving youth group that loves me and that prays for me. And you're changing your thoughts. When you change the way you think, you change the way you live. Right. So for those that don't, that don't know, Brother Tyler has his bachelor's in psychology. Is that right? Sociology. Sociology. Okay. I imagine you took some psychology. Oh, a lot of them, Okay, right. perfect. So for those who don't know, psychology is actually the study of the brain and how it works. Um, what, how, what is the, the process around thoughts coming in and how do you actually remove them? Do you know, do you have any practical advice about things you can physically do to get your mind off of those things? I mean, you first, you understand you're thinking upwards of 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. You your, your brain never turns off. Everything, everything is a stimulus to a thought. What you see, what you hear, what you smell is going to birth a thought. You don't have control of that. You have no control over the first thought, 
But once you realize that, hey, I'm going to do a lot of thinking, but now I'm conscious and I'm thinking about what I'm thinking about, you're way more prone to start being able to to fight back. You know, and the thing about a thought and why thought are so they're so powerful is because it's you saying it. You know, like if we're sitting here and Nick and Dallas are just being, you know, talking negative about me and saying things I don't want to hear, I can just walk away. Mm. I can I can leave. How do you turn off your thoughts? You know, how do you how do you turn off that voice, which is actually your voice? And a lot of times our thoughts are in that first person context. We're saying, I'm not good enough. If Dallas says, Hey Tyler, you're not good at basketball, I'm like, whatever, dude. Like you're not good at basketball. How do you fight back with yourself though? Right. You know what I'm saying? It, but when you understand it, but it's just a thought. And understand this. That's the enemy's uh, that's that's where the enemy's bringing the fight. He can't do anything to you physically, so he's bringing the fight to your mind. And so when you know his offensive scheme, you're way more prone to set up a defensive scheme. Mm. Like, take football. If we knew the Seahawks were going to throw the ball uh, on the goal line in that Super Bowl, like, oh, hello, we know, you know what I'm saying? If you know what the offense is going to do, funny. you set up your defense to, to fight that. We know the fight's going to be in our mind. You know he's going to speak negative. He's trying to steal, kill, destroy. He wants you to do it. He wants you to do it to yourself with your thoughts. And so set up the guardrails, study the word, study what the, the Bible says about who you are and what you're capable of doing and replace all those negative thoughts that are gonna, that are no doubt going to pop into your head. Yeah. You mentioned walking away too. And I, I think what you're thinking is oftentimes tied with your physical location. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times thoughts can come into our minds just based on where we're at and who we're with. So you know, I'm not saying in every situation, but many times just changing your scenery can be a Dude, powerful we see tool. It. We see it all the time with our young people where they'll act one way with one group of people. And then if they start hanging out with another group of people, they're so depressed mm. and nothing is good and everything's negative. Like, dude, change your, your scenery. You'll change your thoughts. Right. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. There was, I've shared this uh, with some with some friends in the past. You know, a big thing a lot of people struggle with is, you know, is, is in fact lust. And I've done, I've, you know, watch some studies, write some studies about that there are four key emotions that if you boil all lustful thoughts down, you're usually within these four emotions. And it's H-A-L-T, it's actually halt, which is German for stop. First one is hungry, A, angry, L, lonely, or T, tired. So next, I mean, and this can be applied to anything, but next time you're you're having a negative thought of any sort, Examine what's going on. Are are you hungry? If that's the case, go go eat something. Are you angry? not you when you're hungry? Exactly. Snickers said that, baby. You know, <laughs> maybe you're angry. Okay, why? Angry. Are you, why are you angry? Are you lonely? That, that's fine. Go hang out with your mom and dad or a sibling. I mean, you're not going to do anything stupid there. Are you tired? If that's the case, go to bed. Like there are so many things that you can do to get out of a negative mindset that there. You've, you've got, you've got options for sure. And there's, there's ways to get around things. It's not always easy, but there are ways to get around your negative headspace. Absolutely. Think about what you're thinking about and think about why you're thinking those things. Absolutely. And man, like do you, even with the whole halt thing, like when you're saying it, like, are, are you angry? Are you lonely? Are you tired? Those are three very big emotions that like people get when they spend too much time on social media. Mm. Well, they, they're surrounding themselves with pseudo relationships that aren't get, real. Oh. I get hungry on social media sometimes. Yeah, hey, dude, yeah, you be posting all them those food selfies. I'm like, oh, hey, that's it. And I follow, like, you know, Gordon Ramsay and Bobby Filet. <laughs> but, but those are, you know, because it's, it's you're lonely even though you're connected to 2,000-plus people, but it's not a real relationship. Right. Like, get off the phone. It's called a cell phone for a reason. Think of, like, a jail cell. Like, you're putting yourself in a, in a, in a cell. And they break out of it, man. Go go outside, Absolutely. hang out with people, have great community, real yeah. community. Perfect. 
Uh, last but not least, quick fix number four. Fix your priorities. This one is, is, is huge. Um, I know that as life goes on, our priorities shift a little bit. Yeah. Tyler, I am, I am, you know, I, I do want to know because I'm in, in some situations I'm similar to where you're at. What is your, like, top five in terms of most important? Okay. Uh, God, number one, obviously. Family has to be number two. That is my wife and my two children. Uh, from there, I'm going to go into just, like, my mental state. You know, am I mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, even physically healthy, which they're all tied together, spiritually healthy. They're all tied together. When one's weak, they're all, you know, they're all going to diminish. And so I'm trying to make sure I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, and, and then from there, you know, serving at the church, serving at the school that I teach at and just kind of branching out, uh, you know, you guys as my staff trying to pour into you guys, because if y'all are healthy, like we're all healthy and it just kind of, it just kind of umbrellas in. Uh, but obviously, you know, 10 years ago when I was a student pastor, I was, married with no kids and so the kids were a huge responsibility but now i have two kids of my own and so that you know priorities completely change for everything uh and like you said they're always going to be changing but you know just you are not going to be as effective as you could possibly if you're not taking care of yourself first and but obviously god is going to be the biggest factor on that right. am i praying enough am i worshiping enough am i getting alone time with god Am I in the scripture enough? Am I being, because I can't, I can't even help my family if I'm not healthy. You can't right. give something that you don't have, including health. Right. You know, I can't help you if, if, if I can't even help myself. And so, you know, God, family, myself, and then it just kind of goes into our, our ministry areas from there. I've noticed, uh, I know, you know, you've, you've technically got two jobs, one at the church and then also teaching at Hamilton. I noticed you put, uh, let's call it Hamilton slash career beneath your physical emotional mental well-being why well i mean if i i can't i mean my hamilton is a ministry in itself essentially i'm i have two youth groups at hamilton where these students i get to see monday through friday for an hour uh which is so amazing because i don't get that even here at living way because we i get to see our students for an hour a week you know and then that's it so this is a, i get to build off of it every day but still, I still have to be emotionally healthy to do that. Because have you ever had a negative teacher at school? Like you hated yeah. going to that class. And I'm here trying to teach the Bible. I'm trying to teach the gospel about how God is good. But if, if I'm not if I'm not in the right headspace or if my spirit is depressed, how do you teach about the goodness of God? Like I am their, their first, and for some of them, their only example of Christ is how I treat them and how my attitude. And so I'm, 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 I'm aware of that. And so it's first thing in the morning, but you're, you're always going to catch me with a smile on my face. And we're talking about the word of God. I'm talking about how much I love the word of God, how, how powerful it is and how, because if they're looking at me and be like, dude, you don't even seem happy. Mm. Why would I want what you're trying to teach me and accept what you, you're trying to get me to accept when they, dude, you're more depressed than I am. Okay. Well, I need to make sure I'm in my right space too that I'm spiritually healthy, I'm emotionally healthy, I'm physically healthy, I am, you know, mentally healthy, and all those are going to help me just be a better representation right. of who Christ is calling me to be. Right. Dallas, I'm, I'm curious, yours also, you're in a kind of a different stage of life. What would you say is your top three to five, you know, in priority? Yeah, I would say mine are extremely similar. I would say God, number one, and then family, and then my church, and then, you know, my job and personal, you know, goals and accomplishments and things of that nature. But I think everything is a trickle down effect. You know, if something's not, you know, going on right in my relationship with God, it's going to affect how I act with my family. If something's going on in my, at home, it's going to affect how I, 
you know, act around other people or around the church, you know, if something's not it going. Is, it's the foundation, but it's at the top. Right. You know, it's like a flip foundation. I think right. of it as an umbrella. Like God's at the top and it just starts to balloon out after yeah. that. But like the, it, that's so good what you're saying. If your relationship with God is not strong, it's going to affect your relationship with your family. Mm-hmm. It's going to affect your relationship at school. It's going to affect everything else because he is supposed to be the center and the cornerstone, which we use to build everything else. Mm-hmm. So we've got to make sure our foundation is right. Right. I think it's cool that you mentioned the, the, the cornerstone because, you know, like you, you preached about a couple weeks ago, you know, whatever your top priority is, whatever you pursue in life, often that's what you receive. You're going to get it. And we, we see so often when people start to, to give God an honest chance and say, all right, I'm going to live for you, that their life just turns around and they, they drop their old ways and they pick up the new man and they're, they're, they're just a new person. And it's, it's just awesome. Uh, I guess for myself, you know, probably the exact same I'd say for Dallas, uh, God, of course, number one, uh, JC is my, is my number two. The switch is, is number three. Uh, my career, whatever I get one, uh, will be number four. And then, um, and then you can, uh, number five will probably fluctuate for the for the rest of my life. But I think number you know top four are probably pretty pretty set. But just getting your priorities right, getting your your train of thought right. You know the first thing you think of when you wake up, the last thing you think of before you go to bed. Those are pretty indicative of what's important in your life and you know what you're living for. Are you living for money? Are you living for for relationships? Or are you are you living for God? Yeah. I think it's really easy to say your priorities mm. but it's a lot harder to actually live them out yeah. and do them oh, because sure. like when I had to this is what started my new year's resolution was coming to the reckoning that when I look at my screen time I'm on my phone five six seven hours out of the day it's like I can say my prior, my top priority is God but like when you look at the receipts is that really true right. yeah, yeah that, that, I, like, I like that a lot um I, we talk about this all the time. Whenever you start to look at your screen, shot, screen time, you realize what your priorities are. Two mm-hmm. hours on Instagram, three hours on TikTok, you know, mm-hmm. five minutes on the Bible app. Like, I mean, what is... And once again, it's it's not that you're sitting down for three hours looking at it. It's a little bit here, a little mm-hmm. there. Those yeah. little steps are making a huge, a huge impact. And so, you know. Yeah, it's abiding. It's abiding, I think. Not necessarily like you know, getting a shot in the arm and expecting you to last. I think that ultimately is going to crash, but that like abiding relationship throughout the, throughout your day, throughout your week is the key. If you're hearing this, listen, don't just drop Instagram and Facebook and make that huge drastic step. Start, start small, start using, if you're on Instagram already, okay, start liking some Christian artists and some pastors and you'll get their content into your feed and share that and use it as an opportunity to be a witness and to just share that some really good news and strong biblical perspectives that can really help your friends that, 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 listen, for real, Instagram might be the only church a lot of people you're connected with ever get. Mm-hmm. And you can be a huge influence in, in their life just by simply being positive, being uplifting, speaking faith, speaking hope, speaking love, you know, and, and use what you're already doing and use it to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of have a an semi-inaccurate belief or understanding of what prayer is. All prayer is is, a, you know, open communication between you and, and, and God. And a lot of people, you know, stare stare down the barrel of this gun that we call prayer, and it's like, how do I even start? And it's just talking, like the three of us are talking, and and like Dallas said, the you know abiding in God. And I heard a, a preacher say one time, I can't remember who it was. He's like, I never I never pray for more than an hour, but I never let more than an hour go by without praying. 
uh, yeah, Brother T.F. Denny. And, um, and it's not sitting down having to pray for 30, 45 minutes. It can literally just be, you know, as you think about it, hey, it's been a, a, it's been a little bit since I've prayed. And like, hey, God, I'm, I'm thinking about you. I'm thankful for this day. I'm thankful for the air in my lungs and mm-hmm. all the stuff that you've given. Yeah, don't, I would say don't despise, like, just an acknowledgement. Yeah. I think that's a prayer. Like, anytime I'm about to, you know, I'm just sitting at work and I don't have, I'm not going to sit there and pray for 10 minutes or anything, but hey, God, like, I'm about to start this project. Yeah. Like, pray you give me blessing and favor as I work yes. on this. You know, once yeah. again, it's small steps that are going to make a big difference. I actually have, like, an Apple Watch, and every time it tells you to take those breaths, like every rain, mm-hmm. it's like, hey, take a deep breath. Every time it does that, I just have this, okay, I give God thanks in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I started that just as, like, a little personal challenge. But now it's yeah. like, it says, take a breath. Okay, I'm going to breathe in some thanks to God. It's, cool. So, like, literally three times a day, it's just an easy that's reminder awesome. on my wrist. Hey, hey, God, just thank you for everything that you're doing. And that's it. Little bitty, little so small, but small steps make big differences. Perfect, uh, Tyler. Before we close out, do you have any any closing advice? Anything that you, anything that you might share? Man, just you know, use these use these four fixes and and you know, just take the small steps, even if it's something so so small. A little step is better than no step. Mm. Uh, you know, push yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit. God's going to meet you right there where you're at. He's a rewarder of sacrifice and faithfulness. And so, you know, take a step today and uh, even even if it's just share this podcast to somebody, let, let somebody else hear. If you saw, you know, somebody struggling with what they're going through and we're hitting on, dude, be that, be that bridge that can connect them with some really solid advice of which we're given and uh, just be used by God today. Yep. Dallas, anything? Yeah. Just want to say, I love you guys. And uh, it's definitely not, too late to make a resolution it doesn't have to be new year's it's just a date so it's not too late to start absolutely uh i'll piggyback off of dallas i love you guys i'm super proud of y'all um it's always a great time to make the next right decision and uh we will see y'all soon peace